At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock, and I just finished my breakfast wrap. Yeah, she did a lie. She told me she was ready and then continued putting food in her mouth after I was ready to start the episode. I thought that I would be able to get it done before it was my turn to talk. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm Alex, this is Addison, and our secret third host today is all of you guys. This is a listener stories episode, and so what we've compiled for you is material coming from... You guys, from listener submissions, uh, detailing all of your sort of paranormal or cryptozoological encounters that you've opted to share with us today. Some of them are critters that we've covered before. Some of them are uh, sort of vague experiences that maybe defy categorization. Um, Others are maybe cool new friends that we'll get to at some point in the podcast's future, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, this is sort of a celebratory episode, and what are we celebrating, Addison? This is our 50th episode. Right on! We have made 50 episodes of a podcast, and people put it in their ears. I just, I say it like that because that's <laughs> I'm glad still they're not very... putting it somewhere else. <laughs> well, I say that because I'm just, it's, I'm just so taken aback in a good, in the best possible way by how much this has grown, and the fact that we've kept up doing it, because I don't finish projects or maintain them very well, <laughs> and the fact that people actually have been listening to it, and like, the way that it's grown over these last 50 episodes, it's been nuts, and like, here's to another 50, if I can maybe so bold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's super cool, because it's just been a little bit over a year and 50 episodes, which means we haven't dropped all that many. Um, and considering that we've kept recording even through, like, holidays, we, we haven't missed any holidays. I think the only thing we've missed is, like, one of us being out of town or et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So and even then, 50's looking pretty good. Yeah. And even then, a couple times out of town, we did a little Skype sesh. Yeah. We did a little, not always, not, it doesn't always work, but sometimes it works. Um, yeah. Here's to another 50. And then also, I want to give a really big thank you to everyone who sent in stories, because we received something like 50 stories across all of our platforms yeah, a lot for this episode. It's awesome. Which is amazing. Unfortunately, this is not an eight-hour podcast. So I could not put all of them into uh, the episode, but I wanted to just go ahead and say thank you because um, I, I, I've i read all of the emails that you guys sent. Um, we've looked over all the stories you sent us and read them, and it's amazing and so cool to hear your experiences and get a more kind of up-close-and-personal look at some of the stuff we're talking about. It makes us very glad that you're taking it to heart when we ask you to stay safe out there because some of them are verging on, like, maybe not that. A little scary. A little spooky. Little too spooky for me, like yeah, a little, a little, uh, a little too uh, directed by. I'm trying to think of a good horror director that isn't Guillermo del Toro because you really don't want to live in a Guillermo del Toro. M Night Shyamalan. It's M Night Shyamalan. Plot twist. It's M Night Shyamalan. Plot twist. You were hosting the podcast all along, (laughs) then you forgot it because you have a special kind of podcast amnesia that makes you forget recording into a microphone and uploading episodes. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. Your name is Alex. Flanagan, you love dogs. You are 23 years old. You run a podcast. It's very important that you don't look over your shoulder. Oh, no. 
Okay, I want to apologize if that made anyone anxious. Oh my gosh, I'm fine. so sorry. Yeah, content warning on reality. I apologize. <laughs> that yeah. gets to me sometimes too, so like no shame. If me you have to... too also. I just, I said it and then I realized after the fact that that's something that might stress me out oh, if no. I heard it. So I want to just go ahead and say, you are you and Your you are safe. Your name is Addison. <laughs> my name is Addison. You are you and you are safe and uh, you are fine. Everything is great except for uh, your socks because you're about to get your socks spuked off by these spooky stories. It's a little bit reachy, but I'll take it. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right in. Are you going first or am I going first? Um, You know what? We have the same amount, except for I think you also have an extra and I have a couple. I do have an extra fun friend at the end, okay. so maybe I'll start then. Um, Yeah, if you That'll have the extra fun friend at the end, so we, yeah, you do it. Cool. Here's our first listener story, courtesy of Purple Worm. <laughs> it's worm, but it's spelled with a Y, so I wanted to make sure that came across yeah. in the audio they asked, medium. They asked specifically in their email to be referred to as Purple Worm. Worm. <laughs> yeah, purple th- worm. so this is their, uh, their Twitter handle, um, and this is from Purple Worm. They start off by saying some... uh, Just like Lundra here. I'm not entirely sure if non-legendary ghosts count as cryptids. They do. But thought I'd send this account for the listener stories episode along anyway. Are you guys ready? This one's a bit of a ride. I'm ready. In the 1950s, my mother trained as a nurse at the Westminster Hospital in London, UK. The building wasn't that old. It had only been built at the end of the 30s, but it had suffered bomb damage during the Second World War. I don't know if that may be relevant. As a trainee, my mother had to work a lot of night shifts. These usually consisted of doing rounds of the wards, checking on the patients, administering medicines, and so forth. The children's wards were on her rounds, and she'd pass through them numerous times during the night. One night, she was checking one of the children's wards when she heard the sound of running water. She quickly tracked this down to the sink at the end of the ward, where one of the faucets had been turned on. She didn't think much of it, assuming that one of the children had gotten thirsty and helped themselves to a drink. She turned it off and continued with her round. Half an hour or so later, she came back through the same ward, To her surprise, she again heard running water. She checked the sink and found the faucet once again turned on. She turned it off more firmly and continued her rounds. She passed back through that ward several more times during the night but had no more problem with the sink. When her shift finished, she reported to the supervising matron. At the end of her report, she mentioned the problem with the faucet. The matron gasped, oh no, and her face fell. My mother asked what was wrong. The matron replied that the ward was haunted by a ghost that would wash its hands whenever a child was going to die. (gasps) Whenever the faucet was found running at night, a child on the ward would pass away shortly afterwards. My mother said this was ridiculous. So I bet you guys all know exactly where this is going, right? None of the children on the ward were particularly ill. In fact, several of them were due to be discharged the next day. She clocked out, went home, and thought nothing more of it. When she came in for her shift the next night, she discovered that a boy on the ward, one who was meant to be sent home that day, had suffered a sudden seizure only a few hours later and died. The Westminster Hospital relocated to more modern facilities in the 1990s, and the building is now luxury apartments. I sometimes wonder if any of the tenants have problems with their plumbing. Oof. Wild, right? I love that last line a lot. Yeah, it's really good, honestly. Also, Purple Worm, you did great. Purple Worm, you did great, but very also... Very strong narrative structure. I love that one specifically as well. That's such a classic horror movie moment to be able to tell a person like, oh, this weird thing was happening, and then just, they went pale, and they gasped and said, oh no. I know, right? It's such a cool, like, real-life story that feels so cinematic. It's the kind of thing that, like, literally, if you submitted it as a script to somebody, they would say, no, that's too on the nose. We're not using that. You have to go for more subtlety in your writing. But Straight up, this is like a real thing that happened, and that is just bananas. I love that so much. I mean, it's a very sad story. Like, I, I was going to say, I need to clarify that the story is sad. but Yeah, the... it's not great. But I, I, something I do genuinely like about this is, for me, this falls less into, like, generic ghost territory and almost crosses over into the very specific sort of motif of, like, the Banshee, for example, mm-hmm. because it's not... 
I, I don't get the impression from this story or this situation that, like, the ghost is the one responsible for the deaths oh, happening. Yeah. It's not like the ghost is killing children. It's that, like, this warning symbol happens when children in this particular ward. I mean, it's very much like a sense of ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Like a sense of that sort of like fealty of like, these are people in my domain and like, I'm responsible for letting people know when something's going to happen here, which is like really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder what the origin story of that particular spirit is. Well, it makes me think of um, like it being the spirit of a nurse or a doctor that yeah. had to wash their hands before administering surgery or something. I'm trying to think of why they would wash their hands or use the sink. If, if they specifically, the story says the ghost is washing their hands. I'm imagining some sort of like healthcare professional or like a like a yeah. nurse or, a, or something washing their hands. It's it's very interesting. It does cross into banshee territory because mm-hmm. it is a, it's portentous. Yeah, as opposed definitely. to any kind of not that ghosts are necessarily dangerous, but as opposed to any sort of danger. Yeah, it, it's more. I think for me, it's because when I'm thinking of ghosts, I'm thinking of something that like usually responds to like a certain patterned schedule or something. Whereas this is more responding to like upcoming events. Yeah. Ghosts don't necessarily tend to predict things. They warn of things that may happen or have happened. Or have happened. A lot of times it's like that there's the sort of ghostly narrative of like reliving certain occasions until somebody can figure them out and set it to rest, right? But not this like something going to happen. That that to me indicates something like slightly different, um, which is really cool. Absolutely. Um, Now I have the next one. This is from uh, Tammy. Okay. And they have sent me this uh, this slightly longer one. I this is another sort of spooky haunting uh, haunted location story. This is Hey Addison and Alex. This is a retelling of something that I experienced when I was 17 and visiting Port Arthur in Tasmania. Ooh. For those who don't know, Port Arthur is a historic site sitting on the Tasman Peninsula. It was a 19th century penal settlement and is now an open air museum. It contains the huge the huge Oh my gosh, I can't talk. It contains the huge penitentiary and the remaining shell of the convict church. Oh man, it's already going to be so, so scary. Mm-hmm. I and my sisters had decided to stay in the park into the evening and take some photos of the sunset and of the spooky atmosphere at night. I'll start saying it right. No, that's how that word goes now. You're, we put an umlaut. As anyone can imagine, an abandoned prison is a haunting place to be even when secured with a railing and posted with tourist trap decorations. We were alone, as at night it gets very cold in Tasmania and not many people stick around after dark. We were in the ruins of the church when from the bell tower we heard a crash and a scream as if a woman had fallen down the stairway that leads all the way up the tower. My sisters and I rushed over to the side of the tower with the door to see what had happened, but when we got there, there was no one at the bottom of the stairs. In fact, the stairs were closed for renovations and no one could have possibly gone up there. My sisters started to freak, so I decided it was time to leave. My plan was to report the noise to reception in case somehow someone had gotten stuck in the tower, even though that seems physically impossible. Better to be safe than sorry. At this point, I thought it was probably a sound effect used by the tour guides at night to scare the tourists. However, we hadn't even left the church courtyard when we all heard a man yelling, Hey you! from behind (gasps) us. We spun around and there was a tall, pale man standing in the middle of the church ruins. He looked like he'd been in a fistfight with someone as his clothes were scuffled and his face was enraged. He was wearing clothes that seemed really old-fashioned and not suited to the weather conditions at all. I have no idea how someone could have gotten into the middle of the church without us hearing or seeing him as it's a very open space and the floor creaks loudly when you step on it. We didn't know what to say as we were all frankly scared to death. When we didn't answer, he began to sprint towards us, and we all bolted out of there as fast as we could. When we were no longer on the church grounds, I looked back, and there was no one there. Judging by his speed and the fact that I have a pain disorder and can't run fast, he should have been right on top of me. He had just vanished. Very freaked out, we all ran back to reception, and I reposted the entire incident. 
The receptionist said there's no such sound effect and no staff dress up as characters at night. I am fully willing to accept that the atmosphere that this took place in probably amplified how spooky it was, but at the same time, it's easy to say that something strange was going on, whether it be supernatural or otherwise. Yeah, no kidding! <laughs> you think? Okay, yeah, no, here's the thing. I definitely am, like, of... I, I'm enough of a scully that I'm willing to say, like, yeah, certain circumstances definitely influence the way that your brain perceives things. I frequently go on tangents on this show about how your brain is lying to you, but, like... The thing is, your brain is not going to fully invent something that out of place. For one thing, when your brain is inventing stuff, it's usually to make things more contextual, not less contextual. And so, like, I mean, short of obviously, like, hallucinations or or, or other, you know, outstanding events. But considering it was a group that witnessed a thing. It was a group that witnessed a thing. It was a shared, yeah, it was a shared sort of experience. And then also, like... It, it was, I mean, it's not as if, like, you just heard the sound of somebody yelling and your brain, like, made some other sounds into words. That happens all the time. There's actually a lot of study about, like, people who get, uh, like, quote-unquote paranormal recordings or, like, mm. record stuff all night and then they go back and listen and they're like, oh, listen to what it's saying. Like, there are these words. Mm. It's like, it's not usually words. It's your brain it's trying your, to make sense of the noise. your brain making sense of the noise. So it's not like it was just that. It's not like it was just the hearing of the thing. It's like there was fully a man who started running toward you. You're, like, I don't think that was made up. Mm-hmm. Maybe heightened. Maybe, but I don't think you just invented, like, it wasn't like you saw something out of the corner of your eye and your brain was like, oh, whoa, a person. Like, yeah. there was fully a guy. <laughs> and then, in and in, like, period where, yes, maybe a LARPer got lost and was yelling at someone <laughs> else and running toward them and you guys thought it was you, so you ran and it wasn't. But I really don't know that that's more reasonable than a ghost. Yeah, seriously. I don't know if an angry LARPer is more reasonable than a ghost. The thing is, for this one, in order to invent, like, a situation that is non-ghostly, we would have to work significantly harder than we have to work to just accept that it's a ghost. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, Occam's Razor. Simplest explanation is usually the best. And there in this situation, is. simplest explanation, weirdly enough, is a ghost. It's just ghosts. Ghosty boys. Very rarely is the simplest explanation a ghost, but here we are. <laughs> and yet. And yet. Uh, you're up next to bat. All right. Um, I'm excited about this one because it is banana. I don't remember what order I put them in. I, oh, you're going to so love I, this one. Uh, this one is from Perry. Thanks, Perry. Um, they start off by saying some very nice things about us, which I don't need to read on air because oh, yeah. it just serves just to inflate you to our them. ego. But I do appreciate yeah. it. They're very kind. Thank you, Perry. Here we go. On to the story. My earliest memory is a cryptid sighting. So if that's not a hook, like, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's what pulled me in, honestly. I saw <laughs> My that. My earliest memory is a cryptid sighting. I saw that and was like, okay, we're doing this. Yeah, right. We're just going right in. I was still sleeping in a crib at the time, so I probably wasn't older than two. At some point in the middle of the night... I wanted to get out of my crib, but couldn't. A large, gray, bipedal rabbit came into my room and helped me out of my crib. He was soft and furry all over, and although he was kind of shaped like a person in an Easter Bunny costume, he didn't wear any clothes. I don't remember anything else. I have no negative emotions associated with this memory, and I have always been the sort to obsess over bad things that happened, so I'm pretty sure it was a positive experience. I needed some help, and a giant bunny came and helped me. I don't remember him saying anything, and I don't remember how he came and went. I haven't seen him since. I kind of like that one, but it also <laughs> troubles me a little bit. Mainly it troubles me because I've seen the uh, oh, that other holidays. Yeah. <laughs> but this was not a flesh rabbit. This was a fur, a fur a traditional rabbit. Can we just 
please forever ban the phrase flesh rabbit from this podcast. Can I never have to hear that again with my own two ears? I'm not even going to listen to this episode again just because I can't bear to hear those words next to each other ever again in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, this was a traditional rabbit, just very large. Um, <laughs> Your traditional standard bunny guy. Okay, so theories about mm-hmm. what this potentially could be. I kind of imagined a sort of like a friendly nature spirit. Yeah. Or yeah, like a house spirit. Like a, that. like a form of like a house spirit or like um, even if you want to get a little bit more Judeo-Christian with it, maybe like some kind of nice form for a guardian angel to take because they're like kids like bunnies. Kids love bunnies. You know what kids don't like? Seeing the true form of angels. Yeah. Biblically speaking, angels are horrifying. Oh, they're so scary. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So a guardian angel would need to take on some sort of form if they're interacting with like a person. Like a giant bunny. Yeah, like a giant bunny. And they were like, kids like bunnies especially if this is like i'm not implying like a religion to this but if this is like a christian affiliated angel in this universe i've created and they were like easter (laughs) sure i know that christian easter the bunny thing is it's stolen from from pagan fertility festivals i know but but still it's now entrenched in easter celebration no it's just that the bunny is uh jesus fursona (laughs) alex I've probably never said out loud a more, like, libelous statement in my life. You just said, with your mouth, with your <laughs> one human mouth that you get, um, Jesus is fursona. Listen. Oh, boy. Anyway. So, anyway. Giant bunny. The giant bunny. bunny. I'm sorry to have made your experience like this, Perry. Benevolent bunny. Yeah. No, I think it's super great. Woodland spirit. Um, I'm very into that explanation. Yeah. Now, I'm sure thinking of um, if you thought we were having a bunny man encounter, that's probably not what you had in mind, but it's much more wholesome than what a bunny man encounter would be. Oh, no, the bunny man is no good. The bunny man is no good. Research him on your own time if you would like. He is... Disappointingly enough, he does not fit into this podcast, really. No, not really. It's, it's an urban legend about a murderer. He is far less bunny than man. Far less bunny than man. Not at all like the goat man. So this is from... I hope this one's a palate cleanser because that got really weird and I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, too. I've got a lot of kind of ghosty ones on okay, my cool. end. I gave you some more creature ones yeah, than I Yeah, no, I'm into it. So I got some ghosty ones. This is from Finn. Finn says, hey, guys, I have a bizarre experience from about five or six years ago when we were driving out of Nevada to do some potential college tours. Hope that went well for you. Um, so about halfway through the trip, we pulled into some dusty desert gas station. While my dad was refueling, I went inside the mini mart for a bathroom break. The restroom was small and seemingly empty. One of the two stalls had the door closed, but it was uncomfortably quiet. When I sat down, I didn't see anyone's legs in the stall next to mine, so I figured it just might have been out of order. I went to wash my hands, and, like I said, it's been near silent the whole time. Not even ambient shuffling that might have signaled someone else was in there. Until I heard a woman sobbing behind me, crystal clear echoing from the other stall. I turned around, and just like before, it looked empty. The crying stopped as spontaneously as it had started. I quickly washed my hands and scrambled out of there as fast as I could. Even when I lingered around the mini-mart, I never saw anybody else leave after me. I still have no idea who or what was in that stall, and to this day, gas station bathrooms give me the creeps. Yikes. So maybe not supernatural, maybe just someone in a bathroom stall hiding their legs for some, like, up on the seat for some reason? Maybe. Like, I know that's happened. It's For me, it's the weirdness of, like, the starting and stopping so abruptly. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go on a crying drag in a gas station bathroom, you're just going to own it. Yeah, that's the thing is if you're cry- if you're that upset that you are crying in, like, a curled up position, because that's how you're sitting if you're in that bathroom, mm-hmm. um, in a curled up position, 
like just crying in a gas station bathroom in like a Texaco, you're just, you are not stopping. You are already oh, yeah. so past the point of emotional like return. You do not have the capacity in you to worry about other people in the bathroom hearing you cry. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of spirits that cry. I'm thinking this is very feels very ghosty to me, but also haunting bathrooms. It's a very different mo. But haunting bathrooms makes me think of. I mean, one, everyone's going to make moaning myrtle jokes. Yeah, right about I'll now. Be. But also, um, there's a uh, there's a Japanese ghost uh, story. There's a there's a Japanese ghost story about a, a child ghost that haunts bathrooms. Really? It's Hanako. She's the spirit of a young girl who haunts school bathrooms. Huh. And it's sort of like um, the like school kids are afraid of it the way that someone like, oh, I don't know, someone I don't like, not a real person, just a hypothetical person who maybe was so afraid of Bloody Mary that she wouldn't go in the bathroom by her third grade classroom and would instead walk all the way down to where the bathroom for the fifth graders was so she didn't have to go in the bathroom she thought was haunted by Bloody Mary. But anyway, that's just, the whole deal with Bloody Mary that like it's any mirror. Yes, but I was convinced she haunted my bathroom. So anyway, I'm fine with you being afraid of ghosts, but I wish you would do it in like a more logical way. <laughs> that's fine. But um, from what I understand from uh, like from what I've read, it's it's um, an urban legend that school kids are afraid of in their bathrooms. But if we're talking about haunted bathrooms, I did think about Hanako. Uh, and I also thought about Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter franchise. So potentially a crying ghost. Hanako doesn't usually cry in bathrooms, but she does haunt them. So I was thinking about her. Don't know why she'd travel all the way to Nevada just to cry in the bathroom at the gas station, though. So I don't think. Just, just some ghostly hitchhiking across realms, you know. That's so creepy. And like, and I think that's the thing is the sharp, short burst of sound is so scary. That is, I feel like it's very easy to be like, oh, how creepy. But I actually want to genuinely sit in this for just a second. I want to sit in the idea of this and think about it for just a second. Think about it's Nevada. So we're talking mm-hmm. desert. We're talking mm-hmm. like open stretches of nothing for like a long time. You have to mm-hmm. make a pit stop for gas because God knows the next time you'll be somewhere where you can get it mm-hmm. because everything's so spread out. It's dusty, it's dark, it's noisy from, like, nature sounds and cars, but other than that, it's super quiet the way that open expanses can, only open expanses can be. And you're in a very quiet, empty bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly, I don't know about you, I get nervous in gas station bathrooms anyway. I don't know why, I just do. Um, You know, because strangers. And out of nowhere, you just, it's completely silent, and then you just hear, like, So you get, yeah, it's like it's unsettlingly unsettlingly creepy for many reasons. Although um, I do just have to say, like full disclosure, I was definitely listening to your story, but also for the past two minutes, I have definitely been thinking about how much I want a story that's like a gruff but good natured ghost trucker and like his little ghost girl companion, like just trucking across the astral realm. That sounds nice. Yeah, doesn't it? Ghost truckers. <laughs> you gotta write it. I will write ghost truckers. <laughs> All right, cool. Also, I don't know if she cried like that, but that was just my approximation. Anyway. Yeah. You're up to bat. Sweet. Knock it out of the park. Uh, hopefully it'll be less weird than last time. Baseball <laughs> metaphor. Yes. All right. This is from Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. So I have a story. I mentioned this story in the Facebook group, but I figured I'd tell it for real now that there's a listener stories episode coming up. It sure is. The story is about shadow rats. Well, that's why you gave this one to me. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. A bit of background here to make this story make a bit more sense. The house I grew up in had a very weird layout. A full explanation of that would just bog this down, but the important part is this. There were two ways to access the basement. The first was down the stairs from the kitchen. 
The second was down a different set of stairs from my father's workshop and tool room. The layout of the basement itself is also somewhat odd. The staircase from the kitchen effectively divided it into two parts. Off of one side, there was a roughly 20-foot tunnel that led to the well the house drew water from. There was a dark room in the back. My grandfather was a photographer. And opposite the tunnel is where the steps to my dad's workshop were. Also sort of important is that I used to play in the basement a lot, as it was a fairly large open space and also because that's where the Legos were. Very good. <clears throat> so this story takes place after my parents' divorce. On one of the weekends, my sisters and I were with my father when I was about four or five. I'd been playing in the basement and must have fallen asleep. <laughs> my father, asshole that he was, just left me down there. <laughs> <laughs> that was not commentary for no, me. I know. That was straight up in the story. No, I know. Um, I woke up because I heard a sort of skittery noise, kind of like the noise a dog's nails make when they walk across a hard floor. Knowing that my father had no pets and having the sort of fearless curiosity young children have, I naturally went to investigate. I went around the main stairs toward where the stairs to the workshop were, and that's where I saw the shadow rats. Oh my god, that's so creepy. I remember them being rather large, though I'm not sure I trust that memory as I was terrified at the time, generally rat-shaped, and moving across the basement toward the workshop steps. And then I ran screaming up the stairs and avoided the basement for a few months. I never saw them again. And to this day, I'm unsure if I actually saw something real or if I was just half asleep and imagined it all. Alex's story has me leaning more toward actually saw something, though. One, love it. Two, hate it. So sorry you had to go through this. Three, this was equal parts either shadow rats or just straight up Pennywise. <laughs> like, it could go either way on this one. Straight up Pennywise. Straight up Pennywise. You were, like, down there in the basement. There was a tunnel that led directly to the well that you guys drew yep. groundwater hey, from. Hey, Alex, did you yeah. just finish reading It? I did just finish reading It. And by just, I mean, like... A week ago, but it's all I've been talking about since. Yeah. Have you been drawing all the children? I from sure the have. Um, Read me for filth. <laughs> um, yeah. Shadow rats are our buck wild. And I am, like, as much as I hate knowing that other people had that really bizarre experience, I am feeling, like, more and more validated the more people tell them yeah. about this because I honestly felt like I was crazy. No, yeah. It was real and you saw rats and it's mm -hmm. okay. Shadow rats. Shadow rats. All right, I've there got... is another Stephen King short story specifically about creepy rats. But... I know that one. Yeah. That anyway, one. go on. It scared the crap out of yeah, me. Yeah, it's I a lot. I read it when I was like 13. I should not have been reading it. You should not have been reading Stephen King when you were 13. Well, I also read Carrie when I was 13, so welcome. Okay, I don't need you justifying your reading habits no. to me. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I'm not saying it was... Oh, no, that was... <laughs> you misunderstood. That was not a justification. That was another thing I did bad. Ah, uh, well... Oh, no, I was going to say, no, you misread my tone. That was more tone. of my sins. No, you misread my tone. That was a confession. After my friend sent you guys her story, I decided to share my own, even if she is to this day the only person who knows about this. I'm going to preemptively apologize for my English since I am Italian. I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible. Also, my name is Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia. Thank you for Hi, sending Sylvia. your story. I've always been a pretty brave kid, watching horror movies and X-Files late at night, so I loved the paranormal and weird folk legends. What's up? Me too. My grandparents have a big house in the countryside of Piemonte, and behind that house there are a few fields, a pumpkin patch, and the woods, limited by a tiny stone wall since part of them is owned by an old farmer. When I was seven or eight, I used to go explore the woods with some of my friends. We would sneak in and climb the trees to eat some apples. Nice. That's so cute. Nice. I love this. But this one time I was there with two girls, Sarah and Monica, and two older boys, Marco and Samuel, and we lost track of time. The sun was starting to set when we heard some footsteps coming towards us. We were not far into the woods, and the two boys thought it was Mr. Gabani, the farmer who owned the place, and he wanted to scold us, so we all started to put the apples in our backpacks. 
Sorry, I just love, I just love kids. It's They're very just, wholesome. It's, yeah, really, it's really good. Kids are so good. The sudden silence after that made us notice that the footsteps were not only getting closer, but they were really weird. They sounded fast, but also like the person was maybe dragging something along or had a limp. We got scared and decided to run away, but the sound was coming from the way out, so we ran the opposite direction, even deeper into the woods. The footsteps followed us. They did not only seem behind us now, but all around our little group. We reached the old farmer's shack, but Monica realized that she had forgotten her backpack when Samuel offered to go with her. Meanwhile, the sun had set, and Marco, Sarah, and I went into the shack. For a while, the footsteps ceased. Time passed slowly. Marco started saying that he had to pee and decided to quickly run out since the noises had stopped. After a oh minute no, or two, Marco, no. <laughs> Sarah and I heard a faint knock on the door and a voice saying, It's me, Marco. Open up. <laughs> it was eerily similar to the voice of our friend, yet something I could not tell you what was off. When we did nothing, the voice added, It's me. Can I come inside, please? Sarah tried to go open the door, but I stopped her. Marco knew that the door was not locked. <gasps> ah! The voice kept repeating these sentences for a while, and Sarah started to freak out, too. Then suddenly it stopped. The door opened, and there we found Monica and Samuel. After a while, Marco arrived, too, and we got away from there as quickly as possible. We questioned the others many times, thinking they pulled an elaborate prank on us. But Monica and Samuel swear that no one was at the door when they arrived, and Marco told us the same thing. I don't really know what happened, but after this, I stopped going into those woods and made some research and eventually resulted into my love for cryptids and the unexplained. I'm sorry to have spoken at some length. Don't feel bad. This was amazing. But thank you for listening to me. Sylvia, also known as Sleepy Alien. Sleepy Alien! I love that Twitter account. Yeah! Thank you, Sylvia. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's so much. Thank wow. you for the Holy nightmares. Holy cow. That is amazing, though. That thank sounds you like for sharing your gift with us. Given the setup of that, that also Grazie. sounds like either, um, uh, either like Fleshgate or straight up Pennywise. <laughs> Yeah. Could be straight up Pennywise. Could be straight up Pennywise. I mean, I'm sensing a new sticker. Yeah. I'll, scu- I'll scully for like a second here and say that there's potential, and this is actually just as terrifying, that there's potential there was someone in the woods trying to frighten you, and that was who was doing the And they the were voice. just really, really good at impersonating your friend. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like maybe they were younger, like an older kid or something. Like, maybe. I'm not saying that that's literally just me trying to scully, because yeah, I know some I think skeptics that, like, gonna roll The sculliest roll explanation would just be your friend's lying to you. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, but if you heard someone chasing you through the woods early, that was me trying to explain, like, the whole thing. But here's the thing. I think that, like, if kids were drawing, like, trying to lie to you and, and like, I don't think a kid is clever enough. And this is no offense to kids. I just, like, mm-hmm. I know that my mind would not have worked this way when I was a child because, like, as a kid, I would not have been thinking that the scariest thing I could do was be myself. Oh, yeah. I would have been, like, it would be much more likely for a kid to impersonate, like, a monster oh, or yeah. some other scary I would, like, noise. Like, I feel like if, if it were Marco doing the voice, he would be like, I'm gonna eat your brains. Yeah. I'm a zombie. Like, that's what children think is mm-hmm. scary when they're thinking of scary things. Like, that's true. Like, when I would, like, write scary stories as a kid. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, if, if I were trying to scare one of my friends by, like, going out and then coming back, I wouldn't have been like, hey, it's me, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's true. That's not something my brain would interpret as scary outside of, like, a very specific circumstance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow, something thanks, something I was afraid of as a child, or not as a child, I was not afraid of as a child because I didn't even consider that could be a thing, and then I discovered it as, like, a concept and horror trip when I got older and was like, oh, no. Yeah, terrifying. Glad you stayed safe out there. 
glad everyone made it out okay. And I hope those apples were really good. <laughs> I'm sure they were. But... I'm sure they were amazing. But... Um, okay, great. You ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. I also do just want to specify before people tweet at me to say otherwise. I know a lot of 13-year-olds read Stephen King, okay? This is not me saying, like, oh, you kids shouldn't be reading Stephen King. And I don't want to hear from a million people being like, well, I read Stephen King when I was 12. Like, thank you. Yes, I know. Many, many people do. And I was fine. Yeah, here's the thing. The point is that I should not have been reading Stephen well, King Well, like, here's 13. the thing. I don't even think that, like, it's not that kids should be exposed to scary things because honestly like kids are way more equipped to handle scary stories than adults are honestly and that's like the whole point of a lot of Stephen King's literature so it feels very hypocritical for me to say this the reason I don't think kids should be reading Stephen King is because Stephen King has no problem inserting all manner of incredibly graphic sexual content in his books in horrifying ways yeah it's like I guess that's true if if you haven't already had like sex ed maybe your introduction to sex if you don't already know about should not be, be Stephen King Stephen Okay. Anyway, this next one is from Abby. Thanks, Abby. So my listener story isn't too exciting, but I still to this day don't know what I saw. I live in the greater Seattle area, so you may be thinking this is a Sasquatch story, and boy, do I wish it was. <laughs> Me too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Instead, this is a story about what I think might have been the rake or something like it. I had been driving down this big winding hill after swim practice in September 2011. The sun was starting to go down, so it was that really bright, uncomfortable sun shining through the trees. I was going about 25 miles per hour when I approached one of the houses on the street and saw what looked to be an extremely pale, bald, shirtless man climbing on all fours to the top of his roof. He was coming from the back of the roof forward, so I couldn't see below his torso. Now, mind you, there are many pale, bald men in Washington, and even ones who take their shirts off when it's only 50 degrees out. The thing that struck me was that he or they looked like they weren't supposed to be up there on the roof. They also moved rather scuttle-y. It freaked me out, and I didn't slow down or look back after I passed the house. It could have been some weird dude climbing on his own roof, but something about the experience tells me it was something different. I don't know if I saw the rake or something else that day. But I hope I never see it again. Now, I don't know if all of you are familiar with The Rake. We've uh, not talked about it in the podcast okay, yet. Yeah. So. I was, are you familiar with it? Vaguely. Okay. So, essentially, The Rake is... And The Rake is often linked with either Slenderman mm-hmm. legends or linked with uh, sort of Fleshgate, Goatman, Skinwalker stories. Um, essentially, just a primer on it, like, from the Creepypasta wiki. That's where a lot of uh, stories about it kind of started to surface, and there's a lot of debate about how many of them are, Uh like, true and exaggerated or just completely fictional, and, of course, plenty of them are. But during the summer of 2003, this is from the Creepypasta wiki, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact. So, basically, there's this... People supposedly have cited this strange kind of bald, pale humanoid thing that moves very, like, strangely. There was, like, a video that went viral. It, it essentially is, an, is a humanoid creature, mm-hmm. bald kind of spindly limbs, and, like, crawls around kind of animalistically creepy. Um, it lives in the world of kind of humanoid, possibly shape-shifting, like... Yeah. Spooky things, essentially. I was going to say, I just didn't want anyone to think that this person thought they saw a rake. A like, literal rake. A rake, R-A-K-E, like a like a gardening thing, or a rake, R-E-I-K, like, uh, <laughs> like a rake. No. Hadn't had a sighting, a, a potential sighting of the rake before, thought I would toss that sucker in. So this one I grabbed particularly because this is relevant to uh, one of our most recent episodes. So this here we go. This is from Cheyenne. Yes, let's hear it. 
Cheyenne says, I'm in the middle of listening to your Shadow People episode. You just mentioned the hat man, and it sounded like what my grandfather experienced when he was a child. <gasps> His parents were going through a divorce, and that's when the hat man appeared. For years, my grandfather would wake up to see the hat man standing at the foot of his bed watching him. This went on until one day, my grandfather finally had enough, and he yelled at the hat man to go away. <laughs> oh my god, I love cryptid grandpa. The creature never returned after that. Yikes. This is a story he likes to tell often, but it wasn't until listening to the episode I found out this was a common experience for people. I'm going to tell him as soon as I can. And then they sent me an update. Oh, good. Update. I told my grandpa about the podcast, and he was really surprised to find out other people have the same experience. He gave me some more info that I gotta share. Oh. The hat man first appeared to my grandpa when he was 14. This was the time his family was splitting up. He would see the hat man twice a week standing at the foot of his bed. Once my grandpa's older brother went to check on him, only to find him sitting up in bed with his eyes wide open staring at the foot of his bed. He began to thrash around and swing his fists. That morning when he was asked about that night, grandpa said that a man was in his room. The visits from the hat man would go on until my grandpa was 16. Finally sick of the terrifying visitor, he one night gathered his bravery uh, and told the hat man off. He looked right at the hat man and said, I'm sick and tired of you. <laughs> you, you are not real. Oh, man. After that, he never saw the hat man again and didn't really think about it until his grandchildren asked if he had any scary stories to tell. I love that so much. Isn't that amazing? I love that so much. Isn't that incredible? Everything about that is wonderful. I'm sick and tired of you. You are not real. And that's how you handle classroom bullies. <laughs> Just tell them they're not real. <laughs> Accidentally send a child into an existential crisis. <laughs> I want to say thank you, Cheyenne. And also, could you please let your grandpa know how much we love that story? Honestly, yeah, it's amazing. And might I suggest that this obviously doesn't work for all supernatural encounters. Uh, but if you're experiencing what you think might be a ghostly type encounter, or if you see the hat man, tried and, te tried and tested, tried and true. Uh, if I'm you're, sick and tired of you. You're you not are not real. real. If your grandpa listens to the show, we would love to hear from him. We Please. think he's a star. He's a star. Does he want like a sticker or something? Like we will does he gladly. Want a I want. Does your Does your grandpa want a t-shirt? Will, will your grandpa wear a Crypto Keeper t-shirt if we send it? I know you can't answer us right now, but let us know. <laughs> anyway, okay. You ready for the next one? I am. This one is solid. All okay, right. from Jordan. I love the show. Thanks, Jordan. And when I heard about how you were collecting listener stories, I knew I had to send you my story about a skinwalker, or at least a skinwalker-adjacent being. Something which imitates voices, at any rate. I really love that because I love the sort of tearing of, like, where it goes. It's like a skinwalker. Or, like, maybe a skinwalker. Anyway, it made some voices. <laughs> very good. It's definitely, like, something very skinwalkery, and I love this story. I did tweet a shortened version of this story for my Twitter handle, at Orthopraxy, in July, I think. So if it sounds familiar, that's where it's from. So some of you guys may have seen this, but it's really mm -hmm. neat. I remember reading this, yeah. too. During my university years, I worked a summer job as a live-in assistant at a group home for people with intellectual disabilities. This meant that for the four months of summer, I would live, work, and sleep in this home with the residents of the home and the rest of the co-worker team. It was an old home and backed onto a small wooded area that the residents referred to as the forest, despite it being quite small. Small enough that the fastest way to get from our residential area to our town's mall was to literally walk through the trees, something I did almost daily. My bedroom was on the side of the house closest to the quote-unquote forest, and I have always been in the habit of keeping my window open at night, as I can't sleep if I'm cold. My bedroom is also in the center of one wing of this house, and is within earshot of the bedrooms of two of the home's residents, who I was responsible for taking care of. 
This arrangement was because, while none of the residents required 24-hour care, if there was an emergency, my room was close enough that I would be able to hear anything which might happen in any of the rooms. With this in mind, it is easy to understand why I did not sleep deeply during my time here, as I am a nervous person on the best of days, and the fear of not hearing one of the residents during a potential emergency was enough to keep me awake most nights. Late one night, I was awake as I usually was, and I heard a noise coming from the forest. After a while, I distinctly heard a voice shout, Help! Help! from the trees. This voice was the voice of one of the residents who I was responsible for. Even more interesting, however, was the fact that this resident was largely nonverbal, and when they did speak, spoke only in what can be con described as grunts. Words were very rare. This resident also had mobility issues, so what they could be doing in the woods, I had no idea. Luckily, my first instinct was not to walk outside, but instead to check on the resident whose voice I heard. He was soundly asleep in his room. I still heard the sound, so I turned on our backyard light and looked out my bedroom window. Instead of a person, I saw a strange dog standing in our backyard barking. The dog's barks were what I had heard, and they sounded exactly like the resident saying help. I never saw that dog during the daytime, although I did see or hear it a few more times at night during my time at the home. I don't know if it was a skinwalker exactly, but I hate to think about what might have happened to me if I had left the house that night instead of checking on the resident. So scary. I know, right? And I, I started laughing halfway through because, um, not because it's funny, but because I was thinking of the stupid no, no, no cat again. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, the only thing I would say about that, my biggest scully moment with that would just be that I'm sure there are there is a dog out there with a weird bark that probably would sound like someone saying help. Just sort of like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, uh, any of you listeners have ever heard a peacock cry, oh, but it yeah. sounds like a child crying help. <laughs> A lot of the time it can sound, it's like, ow! It can sound like someone saying ow or help. So, like, I'm not saying that's what that was because if it sounds like a person, a specific person. Yeah, I think for me the fact that, like, your brain would immediately go to, like, this sounds like this person's voice, even though that voice was not one that you frequently heard, like, is so hyper-specific. It's interesting. And, yes, of course it could be just the brain trying to contextualize. But also, isn't it so much more interesting to imagine that that is a dog uh, or a shapeshifter mimicking somebody's voice to Yikes, get you outside? It's a lot. Okay. How did it know um, that you needed amazing. to go? How did it know that was who you were taking care of? It knew. It knew who you were. Anyway, that's so scary. Yikes. Like, specifically, it knew that that was the person. Uh, I love that. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I mainly feel obligated to put my little scully notes in here just because I don't want people to tweet at me and be like, well, what if, <laughs> did you not perhaps consider? Here's the thing. It definitely was just a dog. And I'm like, okay, fine. But like, what if? Fun yeah. police? Anyway. Yeah. But also, yeah. And that way, if they tweet at me and say, did you perhaps consider? I can say, yes, I did. And I said it on the episode. Not to discourage you guys from tweeting at us. You're oh, definitely yeah. allowed to tweet at us. And if we like mess something up horribly, oh, please let us if know. If something's but actually like factually messed up, please let us know. I just mostly met people who were like, why would you assume it's supernatural on your like, supernatural comedy podcast? I don't podcast? know. Why would you listen to a supernatural comedy podcast if you didn't want to have fun? Anyway. <laughs> do you have um, another one? Yes, I do. I have one more. Cool. We have another purple friend. Oh. It's from the purple cat. Are they... Are they buddies? They, are they buddies? Do they know each other? Do they belong to like the same gang or what? I don't know. This is from the purple cat, though. No, I love this. This means a lot to me. This story I had to do because this was this was for me. It was a tradition with my dad's side of the family to teach the children the rules of being in Bigfoot territory and the <laughs> stories of encounters that they have, especially a place where my family has had many sightings going back generations called Cook Creek. Whoa, whoa, okay. I was not ready for any of the words in that sentence to fit together the way that they did. Can you just 
Start from the top one more time. I want to have the distinct pleasure of listening to that sentence unfold. This um, this person did provide some more intro, but I cut just straight to the story. I don't it's long care. Email, I want to start right there. It was amazing. It was a tradition with my dad's side of the family mm-hmm. to teach the children the rules of being in Bigfoot territory and the stories of encounters <laughs> that they have, especially a place where my family has had many sightings going back generations called Cook Creek. All right, listen, Tommy, you're old enough now. It's time you learned the Bigfoot rules. <laughs> it's a tradition that I've been included in as well. One story that my dad told me is when he and my mom went down to Cook Creek before they got married. It is a place my dad went to many times all throughout his life, and he wanted to share it with her. That's very sweet. But when they were wandering along the old creek bed, my dad turned to look at my mom for some reason or other and saw a shape behind uh, a... Oh, sorry. And saw a shape behind her, behind a large dirt berm. B-E-R-M. I think it might be a typo. But anyway, I wasn't sure if it was a word. I did, like a folksy term, I didn't know. But regardless, he could only see the head and shoulders, but that's all he needed to see to know exactly what it was. He could clearly see its face, and he said it looked agitated that they were there, and it kept looking from him to my mom and back, glaring at them. This is my engagement spot. Dad pulled his pistol and trained it on its forehead, then told my mom, who had her back on the creature, to get to the car. He bounded up the embankment ahead of her, going quickly while he was filled with adrenaline, never taking his aim off the large, hairy hominid that very obviously wanted them gone. My mom made her way up after him and got in the truck. She never turned around, and when me and my brothers asked her later why, she said simply, The look on your dad's face told me all I needed to know. I didn't want to see what it was that made him so scared. My dad said he was glad my mom never turned to look. He doesn't really know why, but he just told us he had a very bad feeling that things would have gone differently if she had turned to look. My grandfather went with my dad back to the same spot a few days later, armed to the teeth, to look for tracks that it might have left. They saw some that had been damaged by the recent rains, but they also discovered how tall the... They say berm again. It must be a word. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Berm, I don't know what it is. I'll look it up later. Uh, that creature was standing behind really was. My grandpa is six foot three. My dad could barely see the top of his head when he stood tiptoe behind the same thing in the same spot as the Bigfoot. The thing had at least two to three feet on him. My dad still has nightmares about that day. There are more lighthearted stories that have been passed down. My dad and grandpa told us about us one told us one about a curious juvenile Bigfoot that they dubbed Junior, who used to come around dubbed Junior, who used to come around to the edge of their camp while they were sitting around the fire and reach out of the bushes to grab beers that they would open oh. and offer to him. They never saw him up close, but they said his silhouette as he wandered away was at least six feet tall. I don't know if that one was true or not, but I prefer to believe it was. My dad also told us about how one of his cousins, on the way back to my parents' wedding reception, was driving along a back road and saw a large hairy figure trip and roll down a dusty embankment. He told my dad he thought it was a guy in a gorilla costume that took a tumble alone in the middle of the woods for some reason. But when it got up to dust itself off and walk across the road behind their car, he said that it looked so real he doubted it was a prankster in a cheap King Kong costume from Party City. There are many others. Personal experiences include the time my dad, brothers, and I took an army sergeant out shooting with us at Cook Creek. He had recruited my brothers into the military and quickly became a family friend. My dad had told him about a couple of his sightings, and the sergeant, of course, wanted to see or hear one for himself. Luckily for him, my little brother spotted a very defined track in the mud as we were walking, which my family members ooed and awed at for a moment before congratulating my brother on the find and going about our business as usual. The sergeant stood there, fixed for a few minutes, just staring in disbelief at this massive track shaped like a human foot that we marveled at for a second as if it were a fresh deer track. It was nothing new to us, after all. One of my big brothers snorted and pointed it out to my dad, quietly, who yelled at him to ask if he was all right. The sergeant just nodded and caught up with us, but he seemed more on guard after that, quieter and more alert. So those are some Bigfoot stories. Wow, that's amazing. There's a lot to take in. And I just have to say that, like, there are a great many takeaways from this story. One of the biggest is that, like, 
I am not normally in favor of condoning relationships between people who just casually carry around guns, but if you find yourself in a relationship with somebody who you trust implicitly when they, apropos of nothing on your romantic date, pull a pistol and aim it just above your head... Like, that is a very particular kind of intimacy and trust and, like, respect that I cannot fathom. It's beautiful. That's how they knew like, they were meant to be. I don't even need to turn around. I know. Like, okay. I don't think it was, to be fair, considering how tall they say this thing was, I think it was less just above yeah. and more, like, four feet yeah. above. Yeah, yeah. But still, though. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's still not jarring. Yikes, Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know your parents, dear reader, um, but... The immediate mental image I had was the parents from Spy Kids, just oh. like being like on a cool date, or um, or the parents from the series of unfortunate events Netflix adaptation. Oh, just yeah. like them hanging out in the woods, and all of a sudden he like pulls a gun and he's like, "Don't move, darling." She's <laughs> like, "Let's get out of here." Um, isn't that it's Kobe Smulders and is it Will Arnett? It's yeah, it is. I, they're amazing. They're great. Um, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what. That's I, my dream cast for your parents. Yeah, I see them in my head. They're amazing. Anyway, I really love the part about Junior. I hope that beer is safe oh, for Junior's big feet. Oh, very good, yeah. I hope beer is safe for big feet to have. Honestly, somebody of that build, like, it's not going to do anything. You're have right. you ever read stories of, like, Andre the Giant when he would, like, go out drinking and he'd have to literally consume, like, a keg and a half to get drunk? It's nuts. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah, All it's right. buck wild. You're up next? I do. So this is our last story. Um, I'm going to power through it, and then there's, like, a little audio clip that goes with it. And I'm not sure, Addison, if you want to put it, like, right after this or if you want to put it sort of after our... Um, end of show announcement so that people can like choose whether or not they want to get into it I, I don't necessarily know what the best way to do it is but I'm gonna insert it at the very end of the show before okay. our ending music cool so after my stay safe out there sign off skippers if you skip if you usually skip through the little end of thing like uh, show notes and all that jazz that's fine but uh, that's where you'll find it there'll be an audio clip that goes with it yes there's an audio clip that goes with this story cool so this now, story this, from? this story was messaged to me by a friend of show James D'Amato yeah host of the One Shot podcast and network and you may remember him from our Encantado episode yeah James is great super wonderful um, I was in Chicago recently and we got together and it was an amazing time but uh, this is a really fascinating paranormal experience story from James and I'll just read you what he said Okay, I have to share this paranormal experience because I still don't know what happened, which I think is my favorite way that any paranormal experience story can start. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, James says that uh, at Wolves Are Cool, which is Cat Cool, um, at Cropa Cabana, which is Stephen Cropa on Twitter, and I were recording the 13th Age episodes of One Shot. We had a guest for that episode, and we were all huddled around a small folding table in my bedroom. In the middle of the recording, my vision was overtaken by a blinding white light, sort of like when a camera flash lights up the darkness. For a split second, I couldn't see anything but this light. Then, without any sound or other phenomena, it went back to normal. I didn't have any photo bleaching that normally comes with looking at a bright light. My vision just went right back to normal. I was concerned, because at first I thought this had just happened to me. I thought it might be some sort of medical problem manifesting or something. But then Kat asked everyone if we saw what she just saw. Stephen and I confirmed that we experienced it too. We were recording with kind of a big deal guest, so I couldn't stop the recording to go looking for strange phenomena. I just said it was probably ghosts and brought everyone's attention back to the recording. I did ask our guest if they saw anything through the webcam, but they didn't. We never really talked about it afterwards. It always bothered me. About a week later, I noticed one of the lights was out on the light rack above my bed. We have halogen bulbs in those lights, so I figured there's a chance that the bulb might have burnt out and caused the weird light effect. I told Kat my theory about it, and she seemed to believe that that was probably the case. However, in the years since, I have seen many bulbs burn out on that light rack, and I never saw anything like that flash of light ever again. 
Also, part of me feels that if it was a bulb bursting, I would have heard something, smelled something, or experienced photo bleaching. When I replaced that bulb, it looked normal like every other bulb that has burned out in the years following. I really like paranormal stuff. I think it's fun. I don't really believe in anything spooky, but I like the idea of going to spooky places, and I'm sure part of me wants to see something. I'm probably the type of person who would exaggerate events in my memory because I want to believe that something fun and spooky happened. However, there is a chance I'm lying to myself by explaining away what happened to us was just a light bulb burning out in a weird way. Uh, somewhere on the hard drive backups I have for one shot, I have the recording of the moment this happened to us, which is the audio that we have for you guys. I'm going to try and find it. That's the reason that I didn't send this story for the first listener-submitted episode, because I actually do have some kind of proof, or at least proof that we all saw this thing happen together. I tried scrubbing back through the bloopers reel that we put together for that year and didn't find it, so it must be in its own file, etc., etc. He took a look, and he did get us the audio. So what we have for you is we have the audio of the actual episode where it happened. And what you can hear is, as James explained to me, um, immediately before this event happened, they started having weird audio troubles on their recording. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear sort of like a weird clicking sound in their audio, um, and they mention it, and then you hear immediately after it happens, and they all sort of like acknowledge it at the same time. It's a really, really cool clip. It's so cool, especially because, like he said, there isn't a noise like a bulb bursting or like a light fizzling out. Like, you know how when a bulb goes, there's sort of like a kind of sound um, or like a kind of click sound? There's nothing like that. You just sort of hear audio issues, then them talking, and then you hear them all kind of go, did you see that? Yeah, and the audio equipment is not like an atmospheric thing. It's like, it's something with the equipment or the recording they're doing. Like, yeah. there's just like a weird residual it's, it's sound. Like it's static. really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that only happens on my microphone when I'm getting interference. Yeah. So it was, anyway, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a really wild little story. And I think you guys will enjoy the audio clip that we have for yes. you. But that is it. That concludes our listener stories episode. Yes, so. thank you to, again to everyone who submitted stories. Whether we got if, to yours yes. or not, yeah, we really enjoyed looking through all of them, and um, we might be able to use some of them in the future. So Exactly. Um, and if you haven't sent us stories before and you have some you'd like us to read or maybe be featured on a future episode, we can, uh, we're can we taking those at our email address. That is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. That is C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail. And um, that's the easiest way to get them to us so that they won't get lost in the shuffle, like in our DMs or in our Facebook messages where they can kind of get a little bit buried. So, yeah. And also, thank you for 50 episodes. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We literally would not still be here doing this without the support of every single one of you guys, whether that's financial support through our Patreon or whether it's your support via word of mouth by getting the word out on Twitter or leaving iTunes reviews or sharing it with people you know in real life, or even if it's just like very verbal kind of support you give by contacting us, whether it's through the Facebook group or through our DMs or through our email or through Twitter, and just letting us know that you enjoy the show and that you want to see it keep going. That is the kind of thing that definitely helps us keep moving forward with it. Um, and all of those different kinds of support are very important in different ways. So even if you don't think that you have anything to give us, like financially, just being a part of the community is a huge part of the reason why we're still able to be here. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And speaking of the community, uh, you can join our Facebook group if you would like to surround yourself with fellow cryptid keepers. That is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, spelled like it sounds. And then also you can find us on Twitter at CryptKeepPod, and you, same as our email. And you can find us on Facebook under the Cryptid Keeper. And our Patreon is the Cryptid Keeper. Yeah. Um, and if you want to buy some fun stickers or T-shirts, T-shirts are starting to sell uh, sell fast. Um, so if you want one, I would get on it before we have to order our next printing. So you can find those under the Cryptid Shopper on Etsy. And then 
As always, our music is by Andrew Giada. And if you want to hear the special clip from James D'Amato's experience, uh, stay tuned till after this little uh, end button that I always do. But if not, and to all of you, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. He was licking a rock before. Sorry, we're having an audio problem. Yeah, we're just like clicking and being weird. Do you know what it is? I don't know. It's like hissing every once in a while. <laughs> Into emotional danger. Uh, Inkwell, you see this going down. Did everybody see that? Everyone. You, you saw that flash, right? Yeah. Okay. That was weird. <laughs> that was really weird. You know what that is? <laughs> a ghost? Ghost. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Ghosts. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you are. What's that? That's. Pr- I think oh, it's coming. Okay. From- okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. It's not ghosts. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, so was it? Do you have a fire alarm thing in here? Yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I really, really think it was ghosts. It was very scary. There's nothing in this it. room that could here. have done that. Yeah, no, it was it. like, for me, it was like here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like I was looking over in this direction when it happened. It's ghosts. <laughs> Let's just accept <laughs> that it's ghosts. James lives in a on. scary old pencil factory. It's true. I this know, place used to be a pencil factory. <laughs> yes, the scariest of all factories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Where they manufactured number tests. two <laughs> pencils used for standardized <laughs> testing. Right, right. Fill in this bubble to hell.